Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. Uh, today, we're going to talk about modernizing PR tactics when promoting indie games. Uh, so this session is held by Uber Strategist. And I'm sorry, free, filthy and free publishing, so I can't see tiny text. Uh, we're going to go over everything involving our experience with indie games, how we promoted them, um, some examples of what we've done for our indie game clients, and some tips and tricks about um, yes, some tips and tricks about how we're going to uh, proceed with kind of certain depending on the client how we proceed with their games, um, also depending on what the games are like. Uh, my name's CJ, and I'm with Uber Strategist, um, Deputy Director of PR. My name is Jessica Timms. I am the Director of PR here at Uber Strategist. Um, I've been in games PR for about five years now. Got my start in games uh, media and journalism. So <laughs> that's me. Uh, my name is Christopher Tuton. I uh, also got my, well, I didn't get my start in games media journalism, but I have spent a lot of time in games media. Uh, I worked as the lead gaming editor for Screen Rant for a while, and I also uh, make indie games. I've made point and click games, text adventures, RPGs, um, and like physical tabletop games, card games, that sort of thing. And uh, um, my name is Gareth Williams. Nice to meet you all. Uh, I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Uber Strategist. Uh, I'm in my 20th year of being in the video games industry. Uh, I started in media in 2003. I moved into PR in 2008, and I've never stopped. And hi, my name is Mario Kroll. I am the founder and president of Uber Strategist. I am in my 20th year of life. I know it's hard to believe, but no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing PR for, I don't know, around 25 plus years uh, before starting Uber Strategist in 2014. I uh, ran the US office for Calypso Media. So if you guys played Tropico uh, three, four, five, then I had a little something to do with that. So, uh... all right. I just always uh... like hearing about Tropico games. That just always makes me happy. Whenever anybody brings it up, it's just like, oh, yes. It's actually why I took the job at Calypso because I was like, holy crap, I get to wet work on a Tropico title. And that was sort of the tiebreaker at the time. So it was pretty. <laughs> actually, um, I think uh, one of the first uh, press items I got was from your team, Mario. It was a little little voodoo oh, doll. Okay. About that big. A little voodoo doll. Um, oh, okay. We had a full blown El Presidente bobblehead too that I said. <laughs> uh, so, uh, which is, you 
some of the crazy stuff that we would do as PR um, because, um, you know, uh, Calypso would publish about I don't know, 20 titles a year and the budgets for marketing and PR were never that big. Uh, so we really had to be scrappy and do some cool things that didn't cost a lot of money, but left good impressions. And I think we've carried that over into. Yeah, that definitely still applies today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me just go back to the description for this round table. Um, if any viewers have not yet seen it, um, so we're going to talk about indie games. Um, so unlike AAA games that are a labor of love by dozens or maybe even hundreds of people, indie games are inherently more intimate experiences born out of a few or even one person's imagination. As such, finding an indie game's voice is tantamount to giving it the respect and promotion that it deserves. Um, so we're going to talk about how we've achieved that on our multiple different projects over the years um, and how we've gone about capturing the voice of an indie game. I think that's our primary thing, especially at Uber Strategist. We like to find the voice of what that game is, um, regardless if it's indie or AAA, but we want to sell it and promote it in a way that is how the developers really intend with our, you know, of course, our optimizations to <laughs> make sure it gets picked up by press and influencers. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, we've gone through our intro. Now we're going to talk about some guiding questions. Uh, so for the team, everyone here. When we talk about modern PR, what does that mean for you? And um, what do you think it means for first-time developers? Oh, I'd like to answer that one. So I think when it comes to really modernized PR tactics, you know, even thinking back like eight years when I was getting PR emails as a games journalist, it's like one of the things that really stands out always is one, a punchy subject line. Um, and that still applies to us today because it's like, if you don't get your email opened, um, what is, what is the, what does the body matter, right? What does the meat and potatoes matter if nobody's even going to open your email? Um, so, you know, that's, I guess maybe one tip or trick is to steer clear from a very robotic corporate sounding subject line in your emails when you're doing promotion that way. Um, but when it comes to really like the modern PR um, experience, if you will, is one that combines a lot of different aspects between reaching press, getting promotion that way, but also keeping kind of that uniform voice across your social media channels, any of the other marketing that you're doing, um, things like that, where you really want that voice to be um, uniform across all of those different channels. And that's one of the things too where I've seen indie developers get hung up on how they're talking to press versus how they're messaging their brand on social media, for example, where social media, maybe Twitter seems more inherently casual. You're able to have more fun. And whereas press, you think, I'm talking to you, another professional. I got to keep this real buttoned up. And it's like, that's not always the case, you know? Uh, games journalists are people too. And they want to, if you can make them smile, make their day with, you know, a, a funny PR email or just something that's truly creative and something they've never seen before, that goes such a long way. Yeah, I have to agree on you on that. Like, um, I think, so a lot of people potentially in PR get caught up on promoting games in a certain way. Um, and Mario and Gaffey probably could attest to this because I think this is more of an, an older style um system where you reach out to press or influencers and you really try to just get the core information you're selling to them and i think um that has modernized in a bit and especially with indie games where you're trying to just have a chat tell them like hey this game's really cool because of this this and this you like this show you like this game yeah maybe you'll like this and like it doesn't even have to be a long pitch anymore when it comes to like cool indie games just 
reach out to them and be like, this is this is great for these reasons. Super short, and I think that's worked really well for us. Um, so I've done uh, I've been doing PR for uh, indie publisher DreadXP for I think going on a year now, um, and that's usually the best way I've gotten success with their games. Um, I'm personally invested a lot in, in horror games, um, so it, for me it's super easy just to know who to talk to and tell them and know what to say to them. But um, I just approach them and go like, "Hey, this game is going to have." this kind of content in it it's really cool because you can do this this and this um if you like this show definitely check it out um yeah instead of just going the old way i think um it's much more beneficial now um just you said that some people are people too <laughs> some people some press are people too yeah. you know not hopefully we're not reaching the ai um you know then it might not yet story. <laughs> we, yeah we're not reaching the ai yeah. bloggers yet <laughs> I uh, can definitely attest to um, from the uh, editing and media side of things. It's just you get so many from not just PR companies, but from personal people or from like news alerts. You get so many emails a day mm -hmm. and it becomes almost impossible to trudge through and look at every single one. So, again, like what just said, the headline has to be really, really important and it has to stand out. But also it, it just is equally important as what CJ said, is it very much needs to be like personable and connected to the person that you're talking to. Like just in the same way that you need to like find the voice for your game, you need to be able to, uh, you need to know who to put that in front of who will actually be excited about it. And that can be like just as simple as, you know, following somebody that you, uh, you like and press on social media and figuring out what their interests are, what their disinterests are, or it can be like, I know that this person has played, you know, 500 survival games on their Twitch account. They might be really excited about this new survival game that looks very interesting. And it's being able to make that a personal connection is always like very, very important. And also like, once you do that a couple of times and you're right, then you can say, Hey, I know you like this. Maybe you should take a look at this. And I know that that, tactic has worked on me as somebody in the media where it's just like, oh, this person knows I like that game and they sent me this. I trust their judgment. Let me give it a try. They did their homework too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and so I'll just chime in on that because I was going to talk to that a little bit. So um, I think the tactics and the mechanicals of the emails and getting them, that's one thing certainly. And you can, you know, we could spend probably multiple sessions talking about how to do that. Um, I think, especially if you're an indie, it, it is remembering that these are relationships. You know, it's better to have like 10 great connections with editors at outlets that matter to your genre, your type of game, and like relationships, like any other personal relationships, like you don't lead off with asking for something. Like it, it's always better when you can give something first or you can just establish some rapport and some general connection because that is another way that people will cut through an email. Like I, you know, early on in my career, um, I worked at a company and, and my bosses said, listen, uh, the old team that's there, they're kind of a little, maybe a little jaded. They don't want to travel all over the country and, you know, they just want to send things out or they have their favorite outlets and that's kind of who they deal with. So, Mark, we would just like you to, for the next three months, just hit every freelancer, every editor you can in the country and in Canada. And I was like, absolutely. And I literally did that. And I had editors go like, why are you here? Like no one ever comes and visits us like in the hinterlands of, you know, somewhere behind Toronto or something. They're like, nobody comes to us. Like we're, we're not important enough. I was like, you're important to me. I don't know you. 
let's build these relationships. And there are people from 25 plus years ago that I still have relationships today that still remember me because I showed up as a little green, you know, here, I can demo a game. How hard can this be? And so building those relationships, and, and that speaks to another aspect is time. Like don't make PR promoting, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna talk about this a little bit more. Don't make it an afterthought. Like a lot of indies, and I get it, you're competing for resources. You can either make the game, or you can market the game. But the reality is if you're a small team, you need to kind of be able to do both. And just like you can't do a game overnight, you also are not going to build your social media channels, your community, and also not your press relationships. So when you're starting out, build those, find those 10 or 20 influential editors that you respect, that you like their work, that like what your game is about, and just have a human conversation with them, a short email pitch and say, hey, I don't know if this is your thing, but you know, we're new, you know, be humble. And that's one nice thing too about not being a PR professional and being a developer or even a publisher, especially when you're first starting out, editors will cut you a little bit more slack. Like you don't have to be completely polished and know all the rules and all the ways to approach them. You get that. And and the other important thing that we talked about um, that somebody just mentioned was be honest. Like if you sell everything, like everything is, you know, the best things in sliced bread, when we know not everything is equally good, just be honest. I used to pitch games and I'd say, hey, this isn't the greatest thing ever, but here's a couple nuggets about this game that really stand out or that are innovative. Here's some other things that we couldn't really do because we're a small team, whatever. Editors are human. They will give you the benefit of the doubt and they might not notice some of those things on their own, but if you guide them as to what's really cool and stand out about the game, that's going to get you the most mileage because that's what's going to get you positive highlights. Gareth, if you have anything to add on that. Very briefly, because I know that um, we spend a lot, of, we can, with PR people, we can talk for a lot. Uh, but it's also interesting to understand that all the best publications, you're competing with an awful lot of stuff, as Christopher's already said. Don't underestimate the value of anything outside of tier one because they can be your biggest advocates. You could have um, a publication that may only get 50,000 unique monthly visitors per month, but they might write about your game six times in a month. And that's gonna have an impact on Google for SEO. It's gonna have an impact on store traffic to an extent. So don't don't ever under undervalue any relationship. Don't necessarily focus just on those tier ones, the game spots, game informers, et cetera. There's always other people that are more than willing to talk about what you're promoting. Uh, before we move on to one of the next uh, guiding topics, I do want to address two of the questions in our chat. Uh, the first one being from Sharky Shark. What are some good examples of a headline and any advice you have on making them? Uh, so referencing what I said earlier about trying to just relate a game to something someone might have experience with already. Uh, one client um, we worked with, um, Neon Doctrine. So they have a game called Yuppie Psycho, and it released a few years ago. So our challenge was to try to get more attention for this indie game that was a few years old. Um, with the massive success, and I'm personally a fan of the show Severance, uh, Severance I said, all right, so I'm going to reach out to people and call this like Severance meets 
corpse party um, because the game kind of embodies like the aesthetic of both things. So that was a super easy, simple headline, but it was very effective just saying like Severance meets Corpse Party in Yuppie Psycho, uh, corporate horror game, uh, Yuppie Psycho Executive Edition. And then we invite people to request keys and play it. Captured Rapture, yes, that game is so good. <laughs> I was personally very excited to work on that once we got with them. Um, on my screen, I believe we're going to show that in a second. Uh, yes. So for another one we did. So this is going to, I'm going to talk about the headline and then also the intent of capturing the voice of this game. Uh, so for Dread XP, they released the Mortuary Assistant um, in August. And for this outreach, um, was, so this wasn't initially planned. I just saw an opportunity to really do something silly with this. Um, for this outreach, the headline was Memorial Service, join on August 2nd, celebrate the demise of all that is holy. This is a game about a possession and you know demons and you have to try to exercise them um so that's the headline for this and it was very left field and weird i'm sure a lot of press weren't really sure why they were getting a memorial service email but it was an extra so i figured if people didn't open it because it didn't seem relevant those who did would be like really impressed and i got some good feedback on it um as you can see this one I tried to have as much fun as I could given the uh, content of the game. So I themed this media alert, which is the intent was to get review requests. I themed it after a memorial service invite. Um, so this, this banner actually came from the DreadXP website that they made for the game. Uh, we found out after the fact that it went up that this existed. So I was like, all right, let's, let's do something with this. We just jump on this as fast as possible. Um, so it invites people to attend the memorial service. For the mortuary assistant, it, I looked up templates to make it look as legit as possible. The game is the one with little little fig leaves to show that they died, quote unquote, uh, the release date, and then it links to their viral website. Um, and then I just tried to use as much language as possible so it could be really silly and fun. Um, and then I included some Latin just just to just to sign off on that. Uh, I believe that translates to. Uh, Death, uh, there, I, there isn't death, life only changes, something like that. Um, yeah, so that was one example. Uh, anyone else? Something to add to this too, and you mentioned it earlier, was as far as when you're working on a specific kind of game, for example, horror genre, um, when it comes to, I guess our overarching theme here is like finding the voice, right? Is, you know, when you're working on a game like that, that like inherently has so much personality the worst thing that you could do is not capture that in your communications about your game, whether that's PR, marketing, social media, whatever it's, whatever it is. Um, I mean, just, you know, kind of imagine how disjointed it would be to have a game like that, the Mortuary Assistant, that's like so fun. It's kind of silly. It's legitimately scary, though. I've played it. Um, and you're talking about it in the most corporate sounding <laughs> robotic way that's it's it, it's so disjointed at that point that it's hard to almost get it back on track once you message it that way because people are going to look at that and say well this game looks cool maybe you've got some really cool key art or screenshots but it's like man it sounds boring and it's hard to get the cat kind of back in the bag once you communicate it that way when really the opportunity was there to lean into whether mm -hmm. it's silly, whether it's really scary, you know, if it, if your game's so scary that it's going to make people pee their pants, <laughs> maybe you say that, you know, because you know that's one way to to get attention to it. Yeah, you you want to embody the narrative of the game, the narrative and the themes of the game. I think that's yeah, a yeah. very good way of getting indie games noticed. I think so I have um, one. You go first, Christopher. 
Okay, one other thing I did want to say uh, to CJ's point about um, Yuppie Psycho is that it's very much a, also a case of you have to convince this outlet that this game is worth covering. Not just that it's worth covering in a, oh, this looks like a fun game sense, but everything online is driven by algorithms, clicks, ads, all that sorts of thing. And when you tell somebody it's, you know, Severance, which is a very popular TV mm -hmm. show, meets something else, which is very popular. It's giving them, it's already giving them an in to give it to their audience. And that is a very, very important thing to do. And it, it's doing it in a way that is unique mm -hmm. unto its, unto that very specific game. And it's not just, this is Stardew Valley, but X, you know. Um, yeah. And, ahead, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No, go on, Jeff. You got something to I was going to say, um, well, don't forget your point. But what I was going to say was when it comes to um, using that, like, this game meets this game, when you're using that type of communication, um, remember, too, that there's kind of a time and place for that. Um, if you're using that with every single one of your communications just to get clicks or whatever, it, it can come off as kind of cheap, right? When you're first getting started and you, and you want to get some eyes on your game, um, that's a little more welcome, right? When you're talking about like, you like this, you like this, or maybe it's something very specific to the to the person that you're talking to. You know that they like this thing or they've played this, a competing title, um, and it's relevant to your game somehow, absolutely lean into that. But like I said, try not to have that be your entire marketing campaign or your entire PR campaign that can you know come off as kind of cheap. And like I said, there's kind of a time and place to use that type of communication too, because you do want your product to also stand on its own. I'm just going to add a couple quick things. So one, I'm going to do a quick plug for this game, for this book that I've made my whole team <laughs> read. Um, so Smart Brevity, it's it's basically all about keeping it short because you have a really long headline, email headline, especially a lot of people are looking at emails on mobile. It's, you know, it's, it's going to fill up the whole screen. So be short and be to the point um, <clears throat> and then have fun with it. And this is not exactly an email or I'm sorry, this is not a press release or, or, or pitch that I wrote, but following up with CES. At CES, I saw this one technology and it was for VR games and it simulated artificial smells. So they have like multiple cartridges of smell in there and they could combine and you could make your own smells. So then when you're like in a green meadow in a game in theory, uh, or actually in practice as well, you know, you could smell like the, the uh, you know, trees and, and, and fields around you and things as, as kind of deepening the VR experience. And I thought it was pretty cool. So when I followed up, my email headline to them was, I really liked what I smelled at CES, dot, <laughs> dot, dot. And I got a pretty quick response coming back from So you just think about what, it, it, again, it's communication. It's just like if you're sending an email or something else, your main objective, again, to the earlier point we made is no one opens that email. It doesn't matter. You have the perfect pitch or press release crafted in the body. No one's ever going to see it. So you've got to get past that hurdle to get them to open the email. I'm not saying be clickbaity, but you might want to be just, you want to stand out in some way that is not kitschy, that is genuine, and also, you know, is gives them an idea of what to expect when they open your email. Um, it shows that you have your own passion for what you're exactly. trying to promote. Exactly. Uh, we have another question. Um, this is from Discord. As an introvert working in an extrovert-dominated industry, do you have any recommendations for developing networking skills and presenting ideas confidently? Um, so I'm in this camp already, if you haven't noticed. Um, so when I first started in PR, it was 
very nerve-wracking um, having to network in person, be at trade shows in person. Over time, I think that's a skill that just naturally develops. Uh, I've gotten better about um, talking about games with people, meeting strangers, and promoting games. And um, I think a good practice for that um, is really just getting to know people through social media. Utilize that as a resource to become more comfortable. Um, so you do that when it comes to in-person um, discussions, or if you meet that person, like on a, at a trade show, there's already some rapport there. Um, and you don't even have to actually have met them for that relationship to further develop and for you to feel more comfortable interacting with them. Um, I think, it, yeah, it's just a, I would say because a lot of our work is either remote or, uh, you know, through email for the majority of the year when it's not trade shows, that's a really good way to just start getting to know people. And then when it comes to in-person events, um, you're just much more comfortable. And I think uh, personally... Does, yeah to right. like a, as somebody who also like you know is somewhat introverted and has to talk to people pretty much all day every day like it is it, it's something that i think everybody deals with to a certain extent and you always have to keep that in mind um like i still get nervous before every single call i have even though there's rarely a day in the week where i don't have a call scheduled at some point um, but I still like 20 minutes before, five minutes before, it's just like, okay, do I, do I, do I know what I'm going to say? Is everything going to be okay? Is that fine? Is, is that check? Are the dogs going to bark? Like there's a million things always going through my head. And I think most people, or at least, uh, more people than like outwardly admit it also feel that way. And so remembering that, uh, makes it easier to do it. I'm also, also fiddling with a Rubik's cube on the yeah, other hand. You can have a fid uh, something to fiddle with. I always do. But I would also add that um, in my experience across the last 20 years, the majority of journalists are introverted rather than extroverted. Um, there are a few that are extrovert, uh, but the majority are introverted. Um, and it's, it's interesting seeing the people that move from journalism to PR and the drastic change that, that that can bring when it comes to things like events. But as an example of CJ, when I first met CJ, and I think I've met CJ once in 18 months because we're all remote on the other side of the world. Um, CJ, um, I've, I found um, that CJ was a little bit introverted. And normally what I would do is I would go, okay, I'm going to get him out of his skin. But somebody had already said to me, CJ can take a while to warm to you if he hasn't met you yet. So I gave it that time. And by the end of that week, it was great. And I can have a straight conversation without any problems with, with CJ. And I think if you understand who you're talking to, this is not just a games media thing, but if you understand who you're talking to or who you want to build that relationship with and how they might interact on social media, that will give you an idea of potentially how they're going to do that in real life. Uh, just to bring that back to our next uh, topic question, so it's actually pretty relevant, and also to the last question that was asked, uh, VCD Gamer says, uh, I'm the kind of person that has little social presence and is more of an introvert, but I have a... But I have a fascinating game idea that I want to present. Got any tips how to get rid of cold feet when it comes to PR? Honestly, um, I wouldn't even worry about it too much. If you have a, a project that you are confident in, when it comes to contacting PR, which you definitely want to do, um, if you know, well before the game is actually released, um, just send an email. Um, a lot of companies, such as ourselves, will have a call with you beforehand and talk about like what is it that you need. Um, what do you want to achieve with this? And we'll actually go over it with you and just talk about it. It's it's there is very little reason um, for there to be like a fear or um, 
like hesitation when it comes to reaching out to a PR, PR agency, and I, I just speak for ourselves really, um, that we're very approachable. If you want us to tell you what we think about how you're approaching this uh, game launch or what we think of your game, that's perfectly fine. Just, you know, you could just ask us and we'll just give you honest feedback and we won't go to a position where we're like, why is this person bothering us? This game is horrible. Like, no, we'll, we'll give you the time of day. And um, I think that's something that's very important for a lot of agencies to do, especially when it comes to indies who don't have uh, necessarily that kind of uh, networking or PR experience that they're not really sure how to go about it. Um, yeah, to add yeah. on to that too, um, as far as like a social presence, um, you know, it's not necessary, I would say, but when we're talking about like modern modern PR, um, PR, traditional PR, social media, influencers, marketing, like it all kind of ties together into a larger piece. Um, and sometimes it really can make an impact to be interacting with other indie developers, media, like on Twitter, for example, which is, I mean, mainly a networking platform and being able to talk about your game there. Like I said, interact with other indie devs that are going to help support you because you're supporting them, amplifying their product projects and so forth. Um, that goes a long way. Um, just getting your name out there within the space, within the community, and also helping to build those relationships um, again, to Mario's point, it's really so much more about the relationships than it is just overthinking how you're talking to people. Yeah, finding a community is very, very important. Um, it, like, even if you don't have you don't have a Twitter account, you don't use Facebook. Even if you just want to go to like Reddit and an indie game dev subreddit there, just to show it to somebody and say, mm -hmm. "Hey, everybody, I'm working on this." And once you do that the very first time, it'll make it easier to show it to the next person next time. Uh, and I was going to say IGDA, make sure you join that. There's lots of places, Unreal Developer Club. I'm sure Unity has, has some things as well, local meetups. Go to trade shows, even the small ones in your area, and just talk to people about your game. You know, if they bring it up, it, it really is a practice and comfort thing. You know, it, it's once you take that rejection out and, and not everybody's going to respond. I mean, if, if we were fragile, you know, wallflowers of our rejection, we'd be in the wrong field because we send out hundreds of thousands of emails and, you know, a lot of them get ignored. And so we have to be persistent and we don't take it personally. It's just, hey, we got the, the wrong person or the wrong person on the wrong day. Um, and so it's that's why I'm saying it's, 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 you know, quality over quantity matters for starters and uh, just practicing. You know, it can be your friends, your peers slowly weave in you can refine your pitch and you can read people and see how they're reacting to how you're describing it but also to cj's point the difference between modern pr and older pr both gareth and i have you know what we used to call you know down for donuts so to speak you know uh where we would have to pitch editors on the phone nowadays i don't even know if editors answer phones half the time anymore we certainly don't spend a lot of time everybody's introverted so hopefully not <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, I mean, I, it's not if even we all really... get our way, no one has to answer a phone ever <laughs> yeah. again. If we exactly. all try we really hard. Humans. But the point being is a lot of this stuff being interviews, being uh, pitches, being, you know, emails to present, being press release, it's all written. So if you're an introvert and you're, it makes you nervous to be in front of somebody in real time, um, that's something you can kind of counter by a lot of this work being done offline and in writing and you can revise what you were going to say a couple more times and there's not that pressure of going oh crap i wish i hadn't said that live and now it's been recorded 
that you know you have at maybe trade shows and things like that. So that's a good segue. But also don't shy away from trade shows because you do need that. You know, once the press pays attention, the next step then is to market and showcase the game at trade shows and events and other opportunities. And you know, you want to have a little bit of practice. It does get a lot easier, guaranteed, the more times you try. Just don't take it personally if if you don't get the reaction that you want. looking for a publisher for your game well we have something special just for you it's the most comprehensive listing of pc console and mobile publishers in the industry over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites you can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list and you can get it for free check it out Continuing on that track of uh, communicating with PR, uh, Flat Voxel asks, what point of the project do you recommend starting with PR? I suppose the more you have to show, the better, but usually that comes very late in the project. Uh, yes, that is a, a big mistake uh, a lot of indies do make um, where they're so heads down, focused on getting the game made, um, just really just all development focused. And then when it comes down to it, they're like maybe a week or two away from launch and they go, wait a minute, how am I going to promote this? Um, I have a budget, but I haven't thought about who to help me get this news um, and like reviews set up and get all that information out there. Um, at a minimum, I would say, um, depending on the scale of the project, like you want to have like at least a three month lead time just so that you can properly announce the game, share more details about the game, uh, uh, pitch when keys are available and then actually push through toward the launch, announce that it's out, and then continue pushing for uh, review keys so you can get that hands-on coverage, you get that news coverage, and you have enough time to at least maybe um, do like an interview with a couple of outlets. But again, that's like a very minimum amount of time. You don't want to wait to the last minute and you definitely don't want to go, hey, I released my game last week or Actually, we've seen some instances where like, hey, I released my game a month ago and uh, it's not doing so well. What can you do to help me? That is very difficult. Um, we have had good results in the past and in some instances, but the earlier, the better. Uh, even if your project is a year away, it doesn't hurt to just talk to a PR team to get some advice. Um, just be on their contact list for the future so you know that, okay, these guys told me this and that. I know I should reach out to them when I'm more prepared because um, you, you just need to be prepared. Uh, I've seen a lot of indie games on Steam that I'm like, that looks really cool. Why does it only have two reviews? That's that's a shame. I wish you know I wish everyone could get their game noticed. And um, back on something, uh, some resources Mario mentioned, if you don't have a budget for PR, we do have a blog post at uberstrategist.com that talks about some things you can do on your own. Uh, so check that out. One being submit a draft announcement, submit that to gamespress.com at a minimum. Um, and then uh, jumping to Cube Hamster's uh, uh, question, was the place right? What is the place to be right now when it comes to marketing games? Um, so of course PR, 
uh, influencer uh, activations if you can. But Twitter, Reddit, TikTok, those are all great places to kind of do snippets or share snippets of your games. Uh, I've seen with DreadXP, I noticed that a lot of attention was put toward the horror game genre. And um, like you'd see clips of the Mortuary Assistant, you see clips of Dread Delusion, uh, Sucker for Love. Like if the indie game has that potential to really capture your attention in a 10 second clip or just with some really good screenshots, you need to utilize those platforms. Um, and just don't be too salesy about it. Just show people what's going on with the game. Uh, let them know that you know it's in development, this is how it looks, and people can follow you so they can stay informed about the progress. Yeah. Something to add to that, add to that too is um, the answer to this question, it's a good question, is a little bit different for every team, I think, depending on the size of the team and your bandwidth. So for example, that answer might be different for a team of 10 versus a one-man operation, you know? Um, but one piece of advice I think that is important is don't spread yourself too thin. Um, one, that's a lot to keep up on when you probably have your actual game to work on. Um, and two, if you're all over the place, it's really difficult to really establish a good strategy on social media. It's probably a whole other, you know, conversation to have about that. Um, but when it comes to, when it comes to that, keep it focused, keep your efforts focused and kind of go all in maybe on two or three channels versus every single one you can get your hands on. Um, and when you are talking to, when you are talking to press, if you get some coverage for your game, um, reviews, things like that, always be sure to share that on your social channels as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna very briefly jump in and add something else. There's a friend of mine, um, a really nice Italian gentleman, uh, who has a phrase that I really like, uh, which is, "You have to prepare the market." Whether you are selling your first indie game or your third indie game or your tenth, you'll still have to do this. To Jess's point, I think I, I'm not sure who said it recently. I think I know who it is, but somebody said recently to me doing something is better than doing nothing. So where Jess says, pick the channels that you think you can dedicate, dedicate the time for, whether that is PR, influencers, specific social media channels, and find where you're comfortable and do something to prepare the market rather than at the last minute go, oh my God, game's out next week. How do I, how do I fix this? Just give yourself the time to prepare the market. So I'd also love to get, um... Chris's input on this as po if possible, because you kind of have that uh, insight as media and also on the publisher side, as far as, you know, one, how do you like to handle campaigns as a publisher? And second part of that question is as media, do you find it a lot more impactful when you are getting an ongoing campaign, you're getting, you know, consistent emails um, for a game versus hearing about it for the first time and it's launched and you're like, oh, I <laughs> first time hearing about it, you know? Well, uh, it very much is um, not every, very few games are hi-fi rush, right? You can, right. very few things can just be shadow dropped onto yep. everybody and yep. then get 100% rave reviews across the board and have everyone in the world be very excited about it. People do, when we talk about like building a relationship to your audience and getting uh, information out about your game, that's kind of like, both of those are two sides of the same coin. And it is very much about like, even, 
even if it's just a little bit where it's just like, oh, hey, I'm working on this game and it's probably going to be called this. And then you're like, okay, I've been working on this for a couple of months. Here's a screenshot of my progress so far. And if even if you're just doing that, you're showing people, one, that something is coming, but also that progress is being made on it. And so that's like really, really important. Um, for my own games, a lot of times I would get on those uh, Twitter, um, what do you call it? Just like the hashtags that happen every day where it's yep. like pixel dailies or something like that. Screenshot or Saturday. Screenshot <laughs> Saturday, low poly horror, like yep. any, any types of that thing that is relevant to the game that you're making. And, you know, because there are a ton of people who follow that stuff and they will remember once they start to see it like that Saturday, they'll remember it the next Saturday. They're like, oh, look at that. That's that same thing again. There are so many indie games that have not come out yet that I only know about because of those types of threads that I'm really excited for. Um, and so that's really cool to see. And from the media side of things, when we go back to talking about how many emails you have, it just helps to coming from a PR to get like, coming from a PR company and getting those updates on, oh, hey, this game is coming next year. Oh, hey, the preview's ready if you want to look at it. Oh, hey, here's a review code. You know, oh, hey, DLC is here. That's keeping it relevant and keeping it interesting. And again, like the more times you do see it, the more of a relationship you'll build with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that kind of works all across the board, no matter what. I was going to say, you know, related to that, too, um, I, I think also, and this is a time factor, so another reason to start earlier is see where your investments are paying off, right? So if you're on Twitter and you're putting a lot of time into Twitter and it's just not resonating and you're not seeing growth, it's totally okay to abandon that. Like, you don't have to be on all of the channels. Be also where you're connecting with your audience because sometimes your audience will will surprise you and not be in the places that you think they're they're most reachable. So I think that's definitely something important, you know, to to compare and say, is the effort you're putting in uh, worth it and is it is in the right place? Or could you double down on one or two other channels uh, where you're actually seeing traction? And, and if you're an idea uh, to continue on social media, follow the people that you would love to cover your game. Um, you know, not necessarily jump into their mentions and start bothering them, but just follow them so you know what kind of things they're interested in. Um, and then, you know, just start like that conversation. And then you'll know in the future uh, whether you partner with a PR agency or if you're handling everything by yourself, you have a list of contacts building up that you could potentially send keys to or send news to or just reach out to be email at a bare minimum, like we said, uh, something's better than nothing. But uh, partnering with the PR agency, uh, so that actually takes us to one of our next topics. And also one of the questions, um, if you're not sending keys or you know reviews or anything like that, like major call to actions, like, all right, here's the game, what can you do between that? I would say, um, so of course you announce the game properly. Uh, you do the key dates, uh, you know, release date announcements. Uh, you talk about when it's coming out. But for us, I think it goes back to capturing the voice of a game where in between those asset drops or core newsy news things, you really want to just sell like the themes of the game. Um, I think that's that's why we prefer longer campaigns, just so mm -hmm. it's not just those news bits. It's more like, here's how this game works. Here's what this game's going to do. Here's what's going to feature. Just really just talk about um, the elements of the game and... I think that's also where you could have a lot of fun. If um, if an indie dev doesn't really know 
how to fill those gaps themselves. Maybe they can't produce a trailer or maybe they can. You can kind of base it off of what's available and what's within reason. Um, we've had clients that couldn't necessarily produce a trailer in between major um, campaign beats, PR beats. So we just have fun with it and just do silly stuff like the one I showed earlier, the mortuary assistant, um, or just throw some things together and just have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And you can also start requesting keys, like putting a request key function in your outreach from the very beginning. But I would say, like, you want to make sure that you just get those themes across primarily. Yeah, I mean, animated I think... GIFs, I think we've done pretty well with, um, and that's pretty easy to create. Um, one of the other things really, and we talked about this in the last question a little bit too, is really thinking about what we do as an agency, for example, we will you know, talk with the client very early on about the strategy, because it's very important that you're looking at what are the milestones, because let's say you have a major new feature that you're including there, you need to think about that a little bit. When is that actually going to be available? When can you showcase it? Because it's always better to talk about it and show it. Um, if, if, you know, delaying a particular outreach a couple weeks because a feature is, is ready and it's a really, really cool feature um, that will get some attention, it's better to shuffle that around. So when you're, you know, try to not be so cookie cutter and, hey, here's my announcement, here's my preview, here's my review games chipped, you know, come up with beats in between, you know, if it's a mm -hmm. strategy game, maybe you introduce the factions, uh, you know, or, or the world or the lore or the backstory. There's always something you can work with. You can use your, your, your previous, um, you know, concept art, or maybe you can do concept art compared to what it looks like in the game now and things like that. There's a lot of cool things like that that don't require you to produce some additional things. And I'll talk about this, um, uh, press release and partnership announcements or high profile hires. I'll say, first of all, the high profile hires, it's always a mixed bag. Um, first of all, I would manage your expectations that uh, it won't be quite as it won't be perceived quite as cool as important by the media in general than you probably think that hire was. So that's one thing we've learned the hard way. Doesn't mean you can't get attention, but a lot of those, a lot of times, in my opinion, those particular types of announcements are best handled as a pitch when you're talking, you know, to the venture beats of the world, gameindustry.biz, you know, MCV, those kinds of things. And put it in context, like not only that this person's joined your company and has done some cool stuff in the past, but how are they going to transform your organization? What are they bringing to the table? What does this partnership mean? And there's always a fine line. And I, I, one of our uh, other you know, friendly PR agencies had a survey, I think on Twitter, that was like, you know, when you pitch to editors, do you kind of tell them the stories that they could write? Do you just kind of leave the asset and the pitch out there and let them figure it out? I like sort of that middle road where you intimate what stories are possible. So the folks that appreciate that can go, oh, that's a cool idea. I'll riff off of that. And the ones that don't want to be told what to write about, they're okay too, uh, because they can still run with that story. You know, of course you do from a tactical perspective, you want to have like a short bio of the people, uh, you want to have some pictures and some images, always make sure you have great quality logos in different assortments. Uh, we, I think we have blog posts on what to put in a press kit. If not, there's a lot of good resource material out there, but you always want to make sure you have, you know, a press kit for you as your studio or developer, but then also we tend to do a separate sub press kit, if you will, for specific beats or pitches 
that provide new refreshed assets that are relevant to what you're uh, pitching out there. So don't just assemble your press kit day one when you start your PR campaign, then don't touch it for another six months. Like you need to keep updating and you also need to make it easy to see what's new versus what are old assets. Cause that's also something that will make life a lot easier for the press. And honestly, the easier to make their life, the more willing they're going to be working with you and picking you out, even if maybe they're not convinced that you're going to give them millions of eyeballs. Um, if you have a cool enough story, you're easy to work with, you're nice, you've built credibility with them, that buys you a lot of traction. Uh, Jessica and Chris, you both have a question directed at you. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, Chris, I'd like maybe your insight on um, how people should approach that because I have my own thoughts. As media, make, yes, does, uh, does writer and editor make a huge difference? <laughs> I think that um, for the most part, if it's somebody who has in the past or presently says that they're open to receiving pitches and ideas and stuff like that, then that's absolutely fine. Um, but other than that, I think that the first thing you should do is go through the official channels because it's very possible that that person does not like it, it, not every writer wants to be contacted publicly. You know, some people would just rather stay in the background and do the jobs that are assigned to them. And you have to always make sure that you're respecting the wishes of the person that you're talking to. Um, that being said, most people, uh, especially if they're at like the editor level are always interested to hear exciting things and, you know, it, do it, um, through the official channels and don't bother people that have clearly like, don't want that is, is the most important thing I think, but uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts also. Yeah, no, I mean, like doing research is, I think the biggest part of it, um, depending, <laughs> It's funny, it's, it, there's not a really super clear answer to that question because every outlet tends to be different. Like um, higher tier publications tend to have a bit more structured org chart, but smaller publications, it's kind of, you maybe have three people kind of doing everything or, you know, between three and 10 people. And um, then it's like, well, sometimes the editor is the assigning editor and you do talk to them with PR outreach and so forth, or, you know, they're the editor in chief and a writer. And so they are the person to talk to. So it kind of differs. Um, but to Chris's point, try to find out through some research. Sometimes it's just easy as checking their Twitter, seeing exactly what their role is. Um, a lot of people have like a pinned tweet that says, reach me at this email address for pitches, or I'm not accepting pitches at this time, um, things like that. But also something that I wanted to add to this is when we're talking about modern PR, um, and just the state of the industry at the moment is that if you're keeping your ear to the ground at all, there's lots of layoffs happening consistently. And so it's so important to be updating your press lists all the time. Um, what you're going to see more so now is that a lot of, a lot of um, freelance writers are contributors to sites. Uh -huh. They may not have a site domain email address, you might need to go try to do a little bit of research, maybe DM them on Twitter if, if, they're, uh, if, if it indicates that you can do that and that they're, they're welcoming DMs from, from PR um, and ask them what, what the best way to, way to reach them is. Uh, maybe you're trying to reach them for a specific site and they've got bylines on multiple sites and you might be able to get coverage on an even bigger site or something that's more relevant um, than what you might, might have them initially on your list for or something like that. 
Yeah, and if you're pitching a freelancer and you want this your 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 news item to go to a specific site that they write for, don't CC like you know that like an editor at that mm -hmm. site because that's why you're you're basically going to strong arm them like, hey, I want this on this site. Can you handle it? Just when it comes to freelancers, approach them with the idea and say, hey, can you can you get this uh, to any of the publications you write for? Do you think any of them will buy it? Like, do they want it? Um, yeah, freelancers are definitely a really good resource. Um, so pay attention to where they where they work and contribute to. And also just look at the type of stuff that they've done in the past. If it's somebody who very much seems like they really like finding new indie indie games and telling them about people, that's going to get you a lot better than somebody who just, you know, enjoys writing about whatever AAA game released that day. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, there are plenty of plenty of writers that just cover indies, even at the higher tier outlets, and they might be a better fit than covering or than trying to reach somebody that wrote about just a competing title. Because you know, maybe say you have um, a game similar to Frostpunk. Well, even though they cover Frostpunk and you've got a similar like survival city builder, um, they're probably not going to be super interested it might be better to reach the person that is covering indie games. So d again, research who you're, who you're talking to. I think there's a, there's a really, I can, I can make a specific point here. Um, so I'm based in the UK for those that hadn't guessed by my weird accent. Um, but I can talk about European press till the cows come home. If you want uh, your indie game covered on Eurogamer, for example, yes, you could pitch the editor. They will listen. But the best person for you to pitch is Christian Donlan because every week they do a feature which is what we're playing. And every week without fail, it's always indie games. And the reason for that is they don't have a space to push indie games on, on, their, on their publication because they're competing on SEO for 15 different games at one point every week. So they have to find ways to get, to get indie games noticed. And that's the way to do it on Eurogame, for example. And the reason that's relevant for the US is that their largest audience segment is North America. It isn't the UK or Europe, it's 60% North America. So you're gonna reach that audience by reaching out to them directly. And if you want to, Christian Donnan's the right person. He's also possibly the greatest writer I've ever met. But it's, it's things like that, that little bit of research where you look into each publication and go, how do they cover it? Not just who's the right person, but how do they cover it? Do they have, if you don't see indie games on specific publications, yeah, you can try, but if you if you're trying and you can't see any coverage to that point of indie games, other people probably have and haven't succeeded. So be realistic about what you want to achieve as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so as part of the value of partnering with an agency, um, this is going to lead into uh, Kevin Nicholson's question. Um, who they have a marketing campaign in mind that's not quite normal. Like CJ, can we also campaign. tackle Cube Hamsters? Uh, yeah. Marketing. Yeah. So uh, let me. Okay. Uh, so tackling a marketing campaign for not a quite normal game, how receptive are PR firms to carrying out client-based ideas? I would say, uh, at least in our um, in our company, uh, we're very receptive to listening to what a client, um, especially indie, de indie devs, want to say about their game. If they have a really cool uh, theme or idea, yeah, we'd be listening to it and just see, does it make sense? How can we work with you to optimize that idea so that it is palatable to a certain press or influencers. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say we're super receptive to like, if you have a great idea and um, like if our ideas aren't entirely matching or you want to supplement our, our ideas that we present to you at the beginning of a campaign, even better, like we love uh, prepared clients. If you're prepared- You know your game best. 
yeah, you know, your game best. So we'll, we'll, we'll optimize things, get it out there, and you know, we'll both be happy with the messaging. And that's mm -hmm. that's a very important part of our relationships with indie devs that they have to be happy with what we're saying about the game. We're not going to fabricate anything like that. Uh, we want to make sure that the game is being sold and told to people as authentically as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I was going to say our job is to you know, if we don't think something is going to work. Uh, one, a lot of times we won't know until we try it. It is still more, you know, uh, um, magic uh, rather than science. Um, and um, but if we advise you and say, hey, we don't think that's going to be the best approach, it is our responsibility. We feel that we come up with some alternatives. And the other thing is, the longer we work with clients, and we're very blessed, we work with a lot of our clients ultimately over many years, even if we started on just a small project. And the longer we work with those clients, the more we get to know each other and our cadence and what we like, what we don't like, and it just becomes a better, really a true partnership and a collaboration. And so I think that's also something important where over time, most agencies will get even better at pitching your games in the style that, that really combines the best of both worlds, which is your vision with, you know, best practices on the PR side. Mario, do you want to handle that other question you referenced? Yeah, so, uh, the, so it's actually not a weird question at all, but Q mm -hmm. Hamsters, weird question. What are your thoughts on using marketing to get into the spotlight with publishers, investors, especially if you're a new developer without a proven track? So the last part is probably the most challenging. If you're brand new, never done this before, you know, that, that becomes a different conversation. Uh, but, you know, we're not talking about, Right now, getting investors to write you a check tomorrow, we're talking about getting in the spotlight. So I'm a huge advocate of that. And we've done it quite a few times with a number of clients. In fact, we're doing it right now with a, a newly formed studio. The team members are, are pretty established at other companies. So sometimes it also becomes a matter of finding what have they done previously. Obviously, we're starting for the very first time. But it is actually a great idea to get some positive press. Again, you don't need a lot. You know, it's a good tier two or tier three press that likes your game. Uh, for example, we worked with um, a game a couple years ago, CJ and I did, and it was a multiplayer title in early alpha. And uh, we, the, the client just hired us to get them a couple pieces of coverage, actually not only for a publisher conversation, but for talking with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo uh, for some of the you know uh, particular opportunities that they had there. And it worked really, really well. We had another client that we worked for that we got um, announced and they were picked up by Devolver as a publisher within about three months after that. So it definitely works. And so I do think that is a really good strategy, even if you're not planning to take the game fully and publish it yourself and so forth, get that out there, get some third party validation that your game is cool. And then you can show that. And then you don't have to keep pitching your game with your own words. You can actually use the outlets articles and say, hey, this is what PC Gamer or IGN or whoever said about my game. It just makes the conversation a little bit easier. All right. Y'all did fantastic. I would like to give a shout out to someone who is not a sponsor, but uh, Logitech Keyboards for the fact that I just dumped an entire pint of coffee into mine <laughs> right as this started. And it's still working for some reason. So, Yay, Logitech. <laughs> today's heroes. I did order. Yeah, I have mine here, so I can agree. <laughs> They're pretty robust. <laughs> I literally took it outside and dumped it, and coffee came out of it, and then plugged it back in. So yeah. Um, 
thank you all so much. We've got the next one queued up. And everybody keep in mind, if you have questions that didn't get answered, the team from Uber Strategist, to the best of my knowledge, all of them are on our Discord. It's discord.gg slash indie game business. You can go there into the post-session chat, ask questions. Everybody's going to answer. Everyone will be happy and, and love you for it. Um, and so with that, we're going to give it step out give me like two minutes to get dan stepped up and then we'll have the next one on the way thanks for thanks, having everybody. us thank, thank you everybody. thanks everybody have a good day Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.